Hi, I'm Nitsan. And I'm Adam. And you're listening to Stories from the East and West, telling little-known histories that changed our world. Today's episode is part one of a two-parter about Jerzy Grotowski. It was co-produced with the HowlRound Theatre History Podcast, a show presented by Michael Lieger. Michael will present the story together with our producer, Piotr, who ended up traveling all the way to Italy to share with us what he found there. Zlín, Praha, Varsava, Madrid, London, Paris, New York, Casablanca. Where you see a kind of totality of the human presence. Absolutely, absolutely. That is exactly. When I was young and I saw his work on film only, I was not able to see his live performances. I was completely blown away. I, I witnessed something, and you can still see these films of The Constant Prince and of Acropolis, for example, where you witness such a high level of junction, juncture between precision and life where you see a kind of totality of the human presence involved, you know, the body, the voice, the soul of the individual, the intention of the actor on such a high level. When I saw, when I was young and I saw these works, I thought, I'm, I'm American, I'm from New York City, I thought, I've got to find a way to work with him. List od Grotowskiego wtedy, że czy by mnie przyszła do Grotowskiego, do niego, do 13 rzędów. No i ja pojechałam. I received a letter from Grotowski, and he asked me if I would come and work with him at the theater of 13 Rose. And so I went. I saw Forefathers Eve in Opole, and I felt that it reminded me of something. But I couldn't, I wasn't really able to understand it. But I felt that, that yes, I had to stay. Hi, I'm Mike Lieger from HowlRound's Theatre History Podcast. And with me is... Piotr Wojcicki from Stories from the East and West. Today, we'll be talking about the Polish theatre director Jerzy Grotowski. Grotowski. For a lot of people, that name might bring up a vague image of a bearded theatre director with glasses and maybe even mysterious-sounding words like para-theater. Well, that was pretty much me before I started working on this episode, and embarked on a journey that began at my local library in Warsaw, and ended at an old winery in the Tuscan countryside. Our story starts in Poland, 1958. Polish culture and art had just recently escaped the shackles of Soviet-imposed socialist realism, and the Polish theater scene was looking for a new way forward. Ludwig Fleschen, a theater critic from Krakow, had been put in charge of creating a new program for a tiny theater in Opole, 
a small provincial town in southwest Poland. Fleshing wasn't yet sure what the new program would be, but he knew he wanted to find a bright young theater director with fresh ideas to come along with him. Now, the story goes that Fleshing was sitting in a cafe in Krakow one afternoon when he noticed the young director Jerzy Grotowski, known in local theater circles for his obsession with Indian and Eastern traditions, walking past the window. Fleshing immediately ran outside and invited Grotowski to come and work with him. For Grotowski, the prospect of having his own theater and complete artistic freedom was enough to entice him to leave the bustling cultural hub of Krakow and relocate to the provinces. I really wanted to talk to someone who had worked with Grotowski in Apollo to get a real sense of what it was like to be there. But given that Grotowski would have turned 85 this August, you can imagine that there aren't many such people left. Luckily, I managed to track down Maya Komarowska. These days, a highly respected theater actor and social activist. Back then, Komarowska was barely out of drama school. At the beginning in Apollo, there were hardly any people in the audience, but Grotowski didn't allow any shows to be cancelled. There could be just a few people and we would perform. Grotowski and his team of actors began a new phase of intensive training, where the goal was to completely master the body, movements and voice. So it looked like this. Richard Cieślak led these exercises that were kind of related to yoga, but actually closer to acrobatic training. Rena Mirecka taught the art of movement, and Zygmunt Molik everything to do with the voice. Some people called us a monastery. Well, we were certainly so absorbed in the work that we were in some way. I felt kind of separated from everything. What I mean is that I wasn't, you know, none of us were acting in films. Of course, no television series, no commercials, that was out of the question. But no films either. I talked to Paula Lane, professor of theatre and performance at the University of Kent and former head of the British Grotowski project. I asked him what all these techniques were used for. Removing psychological blocks, physical blocks, and sometimes you'd use physical tests in the actor training, like jumps and leaps and incredibly sophisticated, demanding physically to get people over their fear, to get them not afraid of the challenges that he was throwing at them. Stanislavski, the Russian director, is actually quite close in his thinking about body and psychological techniques. Grotowski had trained in Russia for a year and picked up and developed Stanislavski's work further. Somehow he saw that the actor needed to arrive to a kind of psycho-physical transformation, a kind of to recover, recover in oneself what, what was behind what he called the mask, to recover in some way the immediacy that a child has. That was Thomas Richards, director of the work center of Jerzy Grotowski and Thomas Richards in Pontedera, Italy. Richards was Grotowski's key collaborator for the last 13 years of his life. It was incredible when my son was born. I have a son who is now nine years old, but when he was born, I remember this moment when just we were in the hospital. And in the first contact I had with him after coming out of the womb, I, I brought my finger close to his foot, but, you know, still a few inches away. And his toes, all of the toes were conscious that my finger was there, even though the child can't see yet. And his toes started to reach out that was such was such incredible 
actorial work. An actor would wish to have that sensitivity, no? that immediacy. Even without seeing, already from his core he's reacting. And it was that kind of immediacy that he was looking to refine in his actors, right? Something behind the mask. A kind of reintegration needs to take place, and for that they had trainings to refine this immediacy. We would work on something for a long time, and then he would come in and say, I don't believe it. And that was it. We had to start all over again. Or he said, I believe it. Or he said, I don't understand. That was interesting. I don't understand, but I believe it. Meaning that it was going in the right direction. And I think it forced us to really search. We were constantly looking. Okay, not this, so then what? Zmusiło mnie i nas do takiego szukania. Ciągle szukaliśmy. Aha, to nie, no to co? He saw it as a confrontation. It was never for him just that the director's job was to bring the thoughts and notions of the piece onto stage. He even did radical things for the age. He was rewriting classics. He was changing them, cutting them, reshaping them. He changed the relation between the performance and the public, right? The public now was no longer just they're anonymous outside of a proscenium looking in on a on a picture they became part of the dramaturgical structure for each performance how the audience was sitting where they sat had meaning for the whole event that was taking place Grotowski's works had a massive impact on thinking about the body about what the actor audience relationship is about how you construct the space but not everyone was supportive of Grotowski's experiments Local Communist Party officials in Opole were trying to get him removed from his post. Grotowski, for his part, was known for being extremely pragmatic when it came to dealing with the authorities, even going so far as to getting his actors to sign up to the Communist Party in order to avoid interference in their work. Now, we should probably mention that joining the Polish United Workers' Party, as it was officially called, was generally regarded as being a serious act of moral betrayal at the time. And this shows how far Grotowski was prepared to go in order to secure funding for his art. But despite these efforts, his funding was suddenly cut in half in 1964. This could have been the end of the theater's experiments, but luckily, Grotowski was invited by the mayor of the city of Wrocław to continue his work there. Grotowski had already begun work on a production that would gain both him and the laboratory theater international recognition. Constant Prince. There is a film footage of it, um, quite rough, but even within the film footage of the whole performance, you get a very strong sense of the experience of the actor, what he's going through. Cheslak plays a Portuguese prince who is captured by Moors and refuses to submit to their demands, despite various tortures that they inflict on him. His performance is considered a benchmark of what an actor can achieve in terms of giving himself completely to the audience, what Grotowski called the total act. In order to achieve such new heights in Cheslak's performance, Grotowski tried a new approach of working with him individually. And this took Grotowski nine months of working one-to-one with Richard Cheslak, recreating Cheslak's memories of his first love of a girl at a young age as an adolescent boy. Now, if you're watching it, you wouldn't know that Chishlak is working on his memories from the past, but you're aware of a kind of intense emotion, this idea of the gift, the holy actor, revealing himself, opening himself up to the spectator. 
It was definitely touching something hidden deep within Richard, tearing something out of him. Meanwhile, the training sessions and rehearsals had become even more intensive. We worked around the clock. We didn't just do a show. We would do a show and then take our notebooks, pencils and pens and write down what hadn't gone quite right. We had discussions after every single performance. Grotowski would never leave during a performance. Grotowski began to achieve international recognition. The laboratory theater toured extensively in Europe, the Middle East, and, at the end of 1969, the United States, where the response was ecstatic. But just as he was receiving numerous prizes and influencing a whole generation of theater practitioners, Grotowski was also having strong doubts about his work. He wanted there to be a more equal relationship between the actor and the spectator. In The Constant Prince, they were watching this suffering martyr from a position where they had to lean forward over a parapet to look down on the action. If they sat back, they wouldn't see it. They just would hear the actor. So it's kind of psychological manipulation. So with his final production, Apocalypsis Configuris, he got rid of the scenographic elements altogether. Apocalypsis, even more than Constant Prince, was bringing the actors and the audience together in the same space in the empty room. Grotowski was coming to strongly believe that performances should be something that audiences experience together with the actors, rather than just passively watching. But he was beginning to realize how difficult this would be to achieve. How do you find a kind of connection between that commitment that the actor has and bring that into the audience? How do you make the audience find that? He really wanted to explore, having gone to the limit, how do you make everyone active? And the conclusion that Grotowski reached is that he had to get rid of spectators altogether. It was a very natural step because he just, he had been applying what he called a via negativa, right? It's like in theater, we don't need lights. We don't need, we should get rid of everything we don't need. Everything should just be done by the actors. Finally, he applied it to himself. He asked himself, do I need spectators? And the answer was no. You know, at the apex of his career, this is the, 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 I think many people are still sad about this, he said, no more performances, I'm not going to direct anymore. 
On w największym sukcesie swoim to bardzo mało ludzi potrafi. At the height of his success, and not many people could do this, he left it all and went in a rather different direction. And he had the courage to say, what I'm interested in is to continue the work on the human being in action, and are spectators really needed? The answer is no. I should let go of the spectators. After his theatre production, period finished. He went to India. He took some time out. Um, he clearly went through a transformation when he went to India and his physical appearance changed from rather portly figure with black dark sunglasses to this thin hippie with clear glasses. He always walked around in a black suit and hat, carrying a black briefcase. He looked just like a diplomat. And then he was skinny. You can see it in the photos. He was a completely different man, physically different. And then he entered into this enormous journey, paratheater, his work with people in nature, where fundamental human contact, direct, immediate, could happen. I wasn't there by this point, but this was a different kind of theater. It was a transition to this completely different world, as if touching life itself. Spending two days and two nights in a room with people, moving without speaking, just following an improvisatory flow, occasionally having breaks, working through the night, tapping into your energy that you perhaps didn't know you had, singing together, eating together wordlessly without speaking, and then moving through forests at night, um, walking along streams, finding yourself in a, a glade where there's buckets of grain and bathing in grain. I mean, extraordinary kind of experiences, rebirthings, if you like. You can kind of understand why Grotowski didn't want people to write about it, why people had to participate rather than observe. After that period came Theatre of Sources period, where he started to research inside different tr ritual traditions in Haiti, in the Caribbean islands, in Mexico, in India, in Africa, for example, looking for some common denominators, some sort of tools, performative tools, be it a song or a way of moving or a way of dancing, designed to have a specific impact on the human being who practiced, who used that tool. This, because of a situation in Poland, it was interrupted. On December 13, 1981, General Jaruzelski, the leader of Communist Poland, declared martial law. This entailed mass arrests of opposition activists, severe censorship, curfews, and the end of civil rights. It had a devastating effect on Polish cultural and artistic life. Grotowski was pretty much convinced that he would be arrested and that the laboratory theater would be shut down. There was no way he could continue inviting international guests to work with him. Poland was basically under a military dictatorship. Grotowski knew that his games with the regime were over. 
he'd have to find a new way to continue his theatrical revolution. To find out what happened next, you'll have to listen to episode two. So please check back here in two weeks' time. This episode of Stories from the East and West was hosted by Nitsan Reisner and me, Adam Zhuavsky, and co-presented by Michael Liga and Piotr Wawoczko. It was written and produced by Piotr, edited by me, and scored by Wojtek Olekszak. It was the first part of a special two-parter produced by Culture PL in collaboration with HowlRound's Theatre History Podcast. If theatre and history are your thing, then be sure to check out HowlRound's Theatre History Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We'd also like to thank Maya Komarovska, Paul Elaine, and Thomas and Cecile Richards for making this episode possible. If you want to see notes from this episode, tap the show out in your app or go to sftew.com. There you can find out more about Jerzy Grotowski and his work. And if you liked our show, um, Adam? Tell somebody about it. Simple. There's... I don't know. That's the same thing <laughs> that, that people should do. Some people. Makes sense. Yeah. And remember, part two of this episode drops in two weeks' time. So make sure you check our feed. See you then.